0: From the wells of yore to the digital screens of today, the kids present the comic book character of the month. Welcome back, kids, and thanks for listening as we profile our comic book character of the month for June, Western Comics Month, that being the Rawhide Kid. We read four issues of the Rawhide Kid, issues number 17 through 20 of Volume 1, starting with August 1960s publication of the Rawhide Kid, Volume 1, Number 17. In this great first issue, see how the kid became an outlaw. Is the Rawhide Kid really a cold-blooded gunman? Why do they fear his guns from Abilene to Tombstone? Beware the Rawhide Kid. The cover art was done by Jack Kirby, along with Ink Assist by Dick Ayers, our writer Stan Lee, penciler Jack Kirby, inker Dick Ayers in the interior, and our editor Stan Lee. Number 17 would be a rehash or recasting of the Rawhide Kid's origin story. The Rawhide Kid was the adopted son, rancher Ben Bart. He took in the Rawhide Kid, Johnny, and the Rawhide Kid would become the best possible gunfighter, Johnny quickly adapts to wielding two magical pistols in his hand. Now, they're not really magic. It's in his hands that they become magic. And Ben Bart is a retired ranger, and he had been in law enforcement, you gather, for a period of time before retiring to his ranch. He would have several different gunfighting techniques that he would teach Johnny, and shortly after his 18th birthday, Ben sends Johnny into town to pick up monthly provisions for the ranch. However, while he's gone, there are two gunfighters that ambush Johnny's father, Ben Bart, and this injustice would cause Johnny to want to seek out vengeance on those that ambushed his father, and ultimately ended up killing him. Johnny returned home and discovered his father being killed. He tracks the murderers, and he arrives in a nearby saloon where he finds the two perpetrators of the crime. Johnny shoots the revolver out of Hawk's hand, and this is a common theme here of the Rawhide Kid. He normally doesn't aim to kill. He aims to disarm. And this is something that I feel the comics code perhaps helped engender in Stanley's writing, and then obviously the depictions that we would see on the pages by Jack Kirby. And after disarming the two, he vows to rid the world of people like those that had ambushed and killed his father. We first have the introduction of the Rawhide kids, trusted steed, Nightwind, and you a jet black stallion, absolutely gorgeous horse. And this is also where he adapts the moniker of the Rawhide Kid. There's another story that takes place in this called Stagecoach to Shotgun Gap, and this is also a very enjoyable one, along with gun in hand, and this one doesn't deal with um, a lot, but it discusses the, the drawing prowess of the Rawhide Kid and how he's constantly being challenged because he develops his reputation for being the fastest draw in the West. Enjoyable. All of these stories. All told, you have Beware the Rawhide Kid, which tells the origin story. Stagecoach to Shotgun Gap. And then there is an unrelated story just called With Gun in Hand. And that one is a just a Western story. And the illustrations in there are different. They're done by Don Heck. And it's just basically a folksy western tale that Stan Lee tells there. And then finally the fourth story being When the Rawhide Kid Turned Outlaw. And this one sets up the remainder of the story for the series moving forward. Matter of fact, this issue number 17 was a bit of a reboot, if you will. A re of the Rawhide Kid bringing together Jack Kirby with Stan Lee on this. In August of 1960, this would be the ramp up to that silver age and the age of superheroes. But what's nice about this last story in here is that it sets up... I call it almost a fugitive, if you're familiar with the TV show, scenario here, where the rawhide kid discovers who had been mysteriously taking 200 head of cattle from another rancher, basically rebranding or turning Big R brand on the cow to a Big B instead, and it happened to be the nearby ranch. Well, rancher, who had been stealing the cattle, opened fire on the rawhide kid. Kid's aimed sharper, and he quickly disarms the rancher. However, a local sheriff, seeing that it's dust-up, arrives to arrest both men, but the kid refuses to submit to an inquiry from the sheriff, and in fear, he races off. Well, what's crazy about this is that the Big R rancher, whose cattle had been taken, and who rawhide kid exposed the Big B ranch owner to actually be the thief, says that hey, I'll testify to the fat kid that, you know, you the one who discovered my cattle being gone and I'll go ahead and back you up. But the kid just fearing for the law interfering here just decides to ride off. And because he rides off, he becomes a fugitive from the local sheriff and now develops this reputation of, oh, he must be an outlaw because he's running from the law. So that kind of sets up the premise of actually a hero or good guy good law person at heart, being misunderstood for being an outlaw. And this scenario would play its way out in the following issues, issues number 18, 19, and 20, which would give us various different scenarios of drawing Of weapons against the Rawhide Kid. Everyone wanted to see if they could outduel him. To the Rawhide Kid intervening with bad men coming into town and being either abusive towards women or wanting to steal or extort money from citizens in towns. He would have a lot of instances of being provoked by others who maybe necessarily didn't see him, but he the Rawhide Kid happens to be slight of build, so therefore looks like he could be an easy pick for a bully or a cowboy ruffian, and these sort of dust-ups happen throughout this entire series. There would also be a story which would focus in on the Rawhide Kid's desire to truly have his name cleared, and someone knowing that the Rawhide Kid was on the run would basically provide him with one of those Faustine deals and that being hey kid if you surrender your cults your firearms and say you won't fire again on anybody the sheriff and actually the governor will pardon you of any misdeeds and Your name will be cleared. And he so desperately wants this that he hands over his irons to uh, this sheriff. Well, the sheriff happened to be an imposter. And this was just a way in which to disarm the Rawhide Kid so the bad elements, the thieves, the ruffians, could roll into town and continue to exploit him. So that kind of gives you a flavor of what we're talking about here throughout this series. This reboot of the Rawhide Kid would first start out in... August of 1960 with issue 17. Issue 18 would come out in October of 1960. Issue 19 would come out in December of 1960. And then issue number 20 would come out in February of 1961. So just about every other month. The team would remain intact for every one of these issues. That being Stan Lee being editor-in-chief at the time over at Marvel. Our cover art would always be done by Jack Kirby with the inks by Dick Ayers. Our writer, Stan Lee throughout the entire series here, Penciler being Jack Kirby, Interior Rings done by Dick Ayers, and Stan Lee doing the editing. There would always be a non-related story in every one of these issues, just basically a folksy western tale being spun by Stan Lee. Overall, this series is really enjoyable. I have to say that Stan Lee's dialogue really plays to his strengths here. He does a great job in folksy, western, moral tales, and... I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed his writing here, including some of his creative spellings. I think some of those creative spellings were done for enunciation and pronunciation of words, how cowboys with a drawl would speak, but also to save on space, I think, sometimes, too, in some of these pages. Let's talk about Jack's art. Jack's art in this is very reminiscent of the Challengers of the Unknown series. There, of course, you wouldn't have super Superheroes, you have heroes. I see a lot of the same stylings, jawlines. Now mind you, Jack Kirby has a style. We we know it. It's the blockish heads, it's the details in the faces, the high action. But what got brought over, I feel, from that challengers of the unknown series is a continuation of the action where we would see these action panels sequences that would then feed into the birth of the superhero age some of the punching and fighting sequences here the shooting sequences with Rawhide Kid very reminiscent of some of the Captain America comics that I have read by Kirby so he did take some of that golden age Captain America action brought it in with a more refined style here. The other real big MVP in all of this is Dick Ayers and his inks. I understand why Jack Kirby relied on Dick Ayers for such a very long time to be his anchor. Dick does not detract from any of the fine detail that Jack provides in the renderings of these characters. Dick Ayers' pen and that inking in there is just really really fine and does a wonderful job of in no way shape or form detracting from the level of detail that jack wanted to see in this comic the details go all the way into the scenes in the bar where you see the wood grain in the bar or the tables or the stools of the chairs the depiction of the characters in the background there isn't a lot of instances in these panels where you have just a bright color washout if you will or silhouettes being done there's a lot of detail even to the background characters or the bit characters if you will they're taking up space on the pages jack i think does a very conscious job of wanting to integrate the surroundings that the rawhide kid is in at any given time and therefore you see the the repercussions of any dust-up that happens, of any shooting that happens. A real cool moment, or moments I should say, because the Rawhide Kid is notorious for doing this in several of these stories, is he proves his target and trigger prowess by extinguishing candles by essentially shooting off the wicks. There are other gunslingers that'll just blow away the candles to put them out on a chandelier, but no, not the Rawhide kid. His, his precision accuracy with his irons is such where he can take a bullet and just shear off a burning wick on a candle. And that's pretty doggone impressive and jack depicting that on the page in detail is really cool and for the time you go wow this is the 60s this is really some great great artwork here so overall folks for a good nostalgic journey, I can really highly recommend The Rawhide Kid. Take into consideration that it's the 1960s we're talking about here. You see again that evolution, that lead up, that ramp up to the Silver Age, age of the superhero that it was about to break here at Marvel in the next two to three years. You really feel that they're feeling their way around character development. But at the same time, have a clear vision. And I give credit here, not only on the visual storytelling to Jack Kirby, because he's very consistent with the Rawhide Kid and how he's depicted in the pages, with one exception. I think by issue 20, they change his hat from being a yellowish color to a white color. So depicting then for the reader, you know, the man in the white hat, you know, the good guy coming into town. However, his actual outfit is dark. It's either a black or a very dark blue. It's tough to tell at times, but there's definitely blue highlights in it. And he, although slight of stature, is not lacking in confidence and really, really had taking to heart all of his training as a youth to make him the deadliest shot in the West. So this comic should be enjoyed by anyone who enjoys Western comics. And frankly, this was my first foray into Western comics in any detail. I really enjoyed the folksy dialogue that was developed by Stan Lee here. I do not know who scripted this series. A matter of fact, back in the day when they were working as a creative collective there in the offices of Marvel, you never were quite sure who was fully scripting everything. And if it was a collaborative effort, well, kudos to the entire team. But I really feel that the creative talents of Stan Lee... In his dialogue back and forth with the characters and also his exposition, his prose and setting up and building up the drama of the next installment of the serial in the Western was very, very, very well done throughout the series. And then, of course, the legendary Jack Kirby with his drawings and depiction of the rough Wild West was really, really, really enjoyable. Now, I will say there's one other person I would like to acknowledge in this, and that is in every one of these issues, there was a non-Rawhide Kid related Western that would be in there, and those were done by Stan Lee, as far as his writing was concerned, but Don Heck provided the penciling and inking. And I have to say, Don Heck did a really nice job in keeping thematically that Western feel that Kirby had established in the Rawhide Kids stories. And you as a reader feeling, okay, I'm still here anchored in this Western world that has been created on these pages so kudos to Don Hack there for those illustrations all in all kids we hope that you have enjoyed our reads for this month being Western Comics month on Kirby's kids and that you will join us monthly for not only our graphic novels of the month but also for our comic book character of the month here on Kirby's kids <laughs> Hit him up, hit him up, move him on, move him on, hit him up, raw hide, set him out, ride him in, let him!